This is ContactTalkRadio.com. Consciousness in action. And you are taking action into your consciousness by tuning into Contact Talk Radio. And on TuneIn.com, Hing.fm, and Upsnap Mobile. Contact Talk Radio. Welcome to Seek Reality Radio with Roberta Grimes. Joyous conversations about what the afterlife evidence and modern science combine to tell us is true about your reality. You have nothing to fear. You are eternal and you are perfectly loved. Knowing the truth changes everything. Now, here is Roberta. There is only one reality. We know that. Neither mainstream science nor mainstream religions can tell us very much about what that one reality is because at this point, both of them are belief systems. One is atheistic, one is theistic, but neither is engaged in an open-minded study of reality. And that's too bad because we do have witnesses who are eager to educate us and help us really understand what's true. And the fact that they're you know, dead, turns out not to be as much of a handicap as you'd think. What they tell us, most of all, is that you are a powerful, eternal being. You never began and you never will end. Our guest this week is one of those people who literally define a whole field of study. Bill Guggenheim has spent his life studying the subtle and sometimes not so subtle ways in which our dead loved ones try to help us understand that they've survived. In 1996, Bill co-wrote the definitive book on science and communication initiated by the dead, and I highly recommend it. It's called Hello from Heaven. He's here today to talk about afterlife communication, which he tells me is a lot more complex than I ever had imagined. Welcome, Bill. Hello. How are you? I'm delighted to have you with us. Tell us how you got into this. How how did you get started thinking about how the dead communicate with us? Well, first of all, uh, I have to change a couple of words. From our point of view, nobody is dead. The only <laughs> thing that dies is our physical body. I forget how and, you keep correcting me on that. <laughs> and, uh, well, it makes a big difference in how we perceive ourselves and what physical life is and what the afterlife is. Right. You're right. And uh, if we just accept that it's a continuum, that this is one form of life and life without a body is just an alternative form of life and it's just different that's all right that's wonderful 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 thought and uh how i i got into this was by watching a tv show um many years ago and elizabeth kubler ross was the guest on it and uh from there i wound up attending a five-day workshop with her in 1977 here in Florida, and during that workshop, a bereaved mother told of two experiences that she and her son had had with her deceased daughter. Her daughter had been hit and killed by a car, and Elizabeth herself went on to describe an experience she had had with a patient of hers who had died 10 months earlier, and I had never heard of anything like that. I dismissed the bereaved mother thinking, well, you know, that's very nice, these experiences are comforting and all that, but... uh, she called one a dream, and I, to me, dreams weren't real. But when Elizabeth told her experience, and she was wide awake in her office building. Oh, I, I uh, know I, that experience. That's a great one. Great one. I couldn't, I couldn't dismiss it. And uh, 
nevertheless, uh, there was no internet or anything like that back then, so while I wanted to know more, I had to rely on going to libraries to find books. And I'd find one experience in one book, or a few in a book, or even a chapter occasionally, but nobody had ever done any research on this. But on the other hand, I had been a stockbroker and a securities analyst on Wall Street. That was my background. And uh, I didn't think that anybody would read a book about life after death if I did the research. <laughs> so I tried to get Raymond Moody to do it, who had written a book, Life After Life, on near-death experiences. And while he never said no, he never said yes. So 14 yeah. years went by, and um, a voice in my head, which had saved my child from drowning earlier, 1980, but now 1988, said to me, Bill, do your own research, write your own book, it's your spiritual work to do. Wow. And, uh, shortly after that, I called my former wife, Judy. We had been married 17 years, but at this point, we had been divorced four years. And, but she knew the topic better than anybody else except me. I mean, we had talked about it for many years. And we were still friends. And so we began our research in 1988, not knowing if we could find 10, 20, 30 people to interview in a whole year. We didn't know how common these experiences were. Long story short, my uh, thing was to go out into Orlando and try to find people, and I did. I found 10 people a week. We literally interviewed <laughs> over 500 people the first year of our research oh. who had answered the question, have you been contacted by a loved one who has died? And by that, I need to go into our explanation of what our research is and is not. Uh, we call it an ADC, or an after-death communication. And by that, we mean it's a spiritual experience that takes place when someone is contacted directly and spontaneously by a family member or a friend who has died. Well, you used the word died. You didn't mean to, right? <laughs> oh, no, their body you. dies. Their, bu- their right? body dies. Their, okay, their body okay, died. you're a little tit for tat. Okay, gotcha. <laughs> but um, I, I had to, to use sub language for other people to understand without making this too new age. And I know. Way out okay. I know. Yeah. And uh, so directly means that there are no third parties involved, no psychics, no mediums, no Ouija boards, no psychomantiums, no devices of any kind. It just happens. They it just seems happen to come out of the air. Yes, wow. Well, they, they're, in, they're initiated by our deceased loved ones. So we uh, limited it to deceased uh, family members and friends. Yes. And we made it purposely that. So we, when, we didn't want to include mediums on the one hand, and we didn't want to go into ghosts and poltergeists and all that stuff on the other hand. We right. wanted to make it very normal. And if we found the people, so be it. And if we didn't, well, we didn't. So we went on over the next seven years to interview more than 2,000 people who live in all 50 American states, all 10 Canadian provinces. We collected 3,300 firsthand accounts wow. of all different uh, types of relationships, and you name it. And uh, the research uh, far exceeded our goals. And uh, it was just a matter of putting them into chapters and making sense out of all this, and we think it turned out pretty well. And Hello from Heaven has been a best-selling book ever since it came out. We self-published it in 1995, and within two months, Bantam Books bought the rights and published it in hardcover uh, four months later in 1996. Well, it's a, it's a great book because it is, it's a definitive research 
book. I mean, it, it's exciting and that to see this, these things happen is unbelievable. But it, for anyone who is interested in knowing all the ways that people communicate with us from what we think of as the other side, uh, it's, it's just the best. Um, and a lot of these communications are very subtle, which is one reason why I think anyone who has, who feels they've lost a, a, a loved one needs to read your book and needs to learn all the subtle ways that the people that, that uh, have gone a little ahead of us are, are trying to get word back to us. Um, d- let's talk about those ways, Bill. What, what is it that well, we they found, do? Well, we found there are 12 different uh, basic types of experiences, not all which are subtle. Some are very, very direct. <laughs> um, right. Uh, so, yes, yeah, some are not as obvious, such as feeling the presence of a deceased loved one. And uh, you know just when they come and when they leave, and some people often know where they are in a room, and these frequently happen very at the same time as the actual death of the physical body, or soon thereafter, or can any, any of these can happen years later. And they can happen in combination. I can only describe them individually, but they may be three or four of these together into one experience. So... Uh, when people are sensing the presence, they often say, "Oh, I'm just imagining this. Yep. I'm just uh, hope you know, so and so made their transition a week ago, and I'm naturally thinking of him or her." But uh, it's a very real experience. And when we, if you're not driving a car, but you can do it safely, we urge people to sit down, close their eyes, open their mind, reach out to the one who they feel is there, and ask for a verbal message because I think that's what's trying to be given in almost all of these cases. Really? And, and does that yeah. happen? Do people finally oh, yeah. get a people, message? People have done that. People who have had a lot of these experiences but never done that have spoken to me, and I suggest they do exactly that, and they wind up, if they write it down, with pages and pages of information. And uh, there's one book out now called The Afterlife of uh, Billy. I can't, think of the, I can't think of the title. I'm sorry. Um, I'll come up with a title a little later. Yeah, um, that, to me too. that is a bestseller. And the woman received uh, writings from her brother. She had meditated three hours a day for several years and learned how to become very sensitive. And uh, she then went on to have a lot of these experiences herself. So, so people then who sit down, who, who feel the presence, sit down, um, do they hear a voice in their mind? Is oh, that well, what happens? The next, uh, next category is hearing a voice. Some people hear an external voice, like you're, you're hearing mine or your listeners are hearing our, vo- our voices through their ears. But the majority of communications are by telepathy. They hear a voice inside their own head. Mind, it's called mind-to-mind contact or thought transference. And they're, they're able to tell, obviously, that that's just not their thoughts. That's, that's ex- right. oh, it's a very clear voice that uh, gives them very often... Very clear words or sentences. Uh, I had one that said, go outside and check the swimming pool. And when I did, I found our youngest son was in the deep end and not, <gasps> not swimming. And he was beneath the water and he was less than two years old. And I thought he was <laughs> drowned or be in an act of drowning. But because I arrived on time and pulled him out and Judy was there, she helped him. He did not even uh, require CPR. It all happened so oh, quickly. My- Goodness. So we have a whole chapter of, pe- of people whose lives were protected or saved by having such an experience. And, and do, was it able to, were you able to tell who it was who was giving you that message, or was it uh, just I believe a it was voice? my deceased father, my father who had died 33 years earlier. Oh, my goodness. That's amazing. 
some people feel a touch, which could be uh, something like a, a pat, a tap, a, a caress, a stroke, a kiss, or a hug. And, uh, of course, that has nothing to do with touches between two people who knew each other very well and would recognize that touch. And this provides uh, you know, affection, nurturing, and love. And yeah. It's a touch of comfort and reassurance. One of the most interesting ones is smelling a fragrance. What's interesting is that not only does the person uh, who's related to the one who made their transition um, smell it, but other people who aren't aware of anything happening or having happened, maybe in an office building or something, can come by and smell the fragrance of the flowers or a cologne, a perfume, uh, aftershave lotion, a food, or something like that. And uh, they can smell it, too, and uh, the first person... May, may not comment on it, yet the it's other people gradually do. And so a yeah. whole group of people can all smell, say, roses or, viola, or lilacs or whatever scent the flowers are. It, it's, it, that's a, a quite a distinctive one. And uh, it happened to me when I was 16, and I knew nothing about any of this. My, my grandmother, who was a very old-fashioned lady, wore a very distinctive sort of lilacs and lilies of the valley kind of scent. And for several years after she died, I would intermittently be smelling that scent. And it was a peculiar thing. I didn't understand it at the time. And only when I, you know, may have decades later, only then did I realize, oh, my goodness, that was my grandmother, and I didn't even know. Yes. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, but that's an unmistakable one. I, I don't, um, yeah. you know, if you, if you smell so something, one you know. With a, you see, it. this makes it objective because this is with a witness. That's even any better. One of these can, any one of these can be multiple uh, have witnesses, so it's not just one person. Yeah. But the next next category of visual experiences, where you may see, we call them partial or full visual. Partial visual, you may only see them from the neck and shoulders, or from the waist up, or from the knees up, or something. Or they may be less than fully solid. It could be more like a misty outline, or transparent, or translucent. In other words, not solid. But in any case, to point right on up to fully solid. And uh, when you see them, what's beautiful is that regardless of the form of death, in almost every instance, 99.99%, you see them healed and whole yes. and in perfect health regardless of the form of death involved. Because you're not seeing their physical body, you're seeing them in their spiritual body. Even before I I read your book, I had been coming across some of these, and it is curious. They almost never seem to have feet. Um, It's often a bust or down to the waist or down to the knees or something, but they're always happy and young-looking or younger, usually looking and smiling and healthy, and uh, sometimes they appear uh, at the time of death or soon thereafter far away from the death um, to someone. Well, they often appear younger than when they Yes. Yes. And somebody who was, say, 80 years old may come back appearing 40 or 30 or less. Yeah, yeah, it so is that, astonishing. That could happen as well. But I, I guess they don't, need, they don't need to show us feet. They sort of show us the part that we're going to recognize. And that's well, I think it takes, a, we don't, there's no way to know this, but we think it takes effort to do this. Yes, it and must. And as a result of that, it may not be that easy to just manifest the entire body. Although, in the book, we have four stories where they were seen, touched, heard, and uh, felt all at the same time. Wow. Four out of the five senses. 
are they t- do they tend to be mainly when it's that much of a of an experience mainly very close like spouses um, not necessarily no really no i mean we only have four so i can't make a big statement about that but, yeah uh it, just that some people are far more open than others there's a book called autobiography of a yogi by paramahansa yogananda there's yes. an entire chapter a long chapter devoted to his seeing his guru uh sri yukteswar after his uh, guru died and they sit in a room for over two hours together and have a long conversation. Oh, my goodness. And well, that's the longest account I know of. Uh, that's, uh, that, that person obviously isn't dead at all. Um, I, I, I think this is a very, very important topic, and we're just getting into it. My name is Roberta Grimes, and you're listening to Seek Reality on the Contact Talk Radio Network. Every week at this time, we spend an hour together working to better understand the one glorious reality in which we live. We'll be right back. If you'd like to talk about some of the things that are discussed on Seek Reality Radio, come and join the welcoming community at afterlifeforums.com. Roberta and Andrew manage afterlife forums in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. If you are very ill, if you have lost a loved one, or if you just wonder about these topics, come and join the fun at afterlifeforums.com. When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is Cliff Notes to 200 Years of Abundant and Consistent Afterlife Evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon in Kindle and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes. Our wonderful guest this week is Bill Guggenheim, who is the definitive expert on the contacts that our beloved dead, I'm sorry, Bill, that our beloved people who have just gone a little ahead of us are are giving to us uh, all the time. Um, This seems to be, don't you think, Bill, this is such a common phenomenon that it it seems to be happening to almost everyone? I, I hear these stories all the time. Okay, they're very, very common. I'm glad you brought that up. That when we did our research, wrote our book, we estimated very conservatively that 20% of all Americans have had such an experience. That would be about 60 million people. Wow. We've seen uh, polls that have more than doubled that, up to 43%, um, that make it up to 125 million people, which is 40% or higher. And, uh, and, uh, as a result of that, and that's what people admit to. Many people say, I've never told this experience to anybody else, yes. or I've only told it to my closest family members. 
So yes. they're very secretive about it simply because they don't want people to ridicule them, make fun of them, or think they're crazy. And that's the fear of it. And uh, so these are very common, but it's still one of those things you don't talk about socially yep. because of uh, fear of ridicule or worse in our culture. Just like with near-death experiences, people who told about them wound up in the psychiatric ward of the hospital. Is that what, was that true in the beginning? That's what happened? In the beginning of NDE. So if somebody had an NDE while they were in the hospital and told their doctors and whatnot, uh, some of them wound up in the, in the psychiatric wards or sections of the hospital, and some were given antipsychotic drugs. Oh! Yes. And some of these people, we spoke to four, three people who were given antipsychotic drugs oh. for these experiences. It, it's, it yeah. is, um, I, I've been doing a lot of uh, traveling because of my book, The Fun of Dying, and, and people confided in me their stories, and I heard the same thing from some of them. I've never told anybody else, but this is what happened. Do you think that was my mother or my husband or whatever? I would say, of course it was. You know, he yeah. was, he was sh- when, when, when he showed you that field full of the flowers that were your favorite flowers and they shouldn't have been blooming at that time of year, yes, that was him. Um, yeah. it's, it, it's, uh, uh, so I think that probably it's much, uh, a much higher percentage as well, uh, because and as, a well, lot of people... Especially consider many people have never been bereaved, so they wouldn't have any reason to be contacted, you say. That's right. And, and so there you... are people who, who just plain, nah, that couldn't be, and they don't even recognize that that was their loved one who sent that yes. butterfly in and, front of the car, and, whatever. And the other side is many bereaved parents and uh, widows and widowers hope that their deceased child or spouse will contact them, but it just doesn't happen. And the only thing we can figure out is that some people just aren't that open to these. For some way, they have a block, and they're afraid or uh, or whatever it is. It's just hard to get through. Plus, if people are filled with grief or anger or other strong emotions, it's very hard to get through. I think that's a very important point to emphasize, Bill. Um, People who are grieving... And this seems cruel, I suppose, but if you're in deep grief and very distressed, it's harder, much harder for your loved ones to get through to you. Uh, it's, yeah. It becomes almost impossible. And so I, you know, I tell people who say, why can't I hear from him? Why, why? I say, you've just got to figure out a way to get past the worst of your pain because right now it's as if you've put up a big roadblock. There's no way that they can get through to you. It, it yeah, seems unfair, one, don't you think? But that's the way it is. Well, that's one part of it. Uh, another thing is that they are receiving some kinds of signs or visions or something of this, but they're not uh, understanding them. They're, dis- they're discounting them and throwing them away. That's very common. There's a, com- a large uh, section called symbolic ADCs, and we tell people to ask a higher power of the universe, deceased loved one, God, whatever they believe in, for a sign, and though it may take some time to arrive, they, they do, and most common signs involve rainbows and butterflies, or actually butterflies yes. and rainbows in that order, but they also involve many species of birds and other animals and flowers, and then finding various things such as coins or feathers or pictures or whatever it may be. It's, it's, the list is endless. I've heard about 25 different species of birds and it, it's the behavior it's not just seeing a bird it's the behavior of the bird and how it interacts with you and how it will come right up to you and stay there or peck on your living room window or and things of this nature that last spring i think it was i heard about two different stories in different parts of the country of an owl who had come to 
uh, a, and after, uh, you know, sort of a celebration of someone's life afterwards, people were sort of sitting around afterwards, and then Al came and perched right on top of the group and stayed there. Um, yes. And I'm confident that that was not the owl's idea necessarily. But what ha- how, how does, what's the process? I, I, what would it, do they influence the mind of the owl? The owl is a real I think owl. So. Some people believe that the bird or the animal is the person, the loved one who died. I personally believe that our loved ones are able to direct the, the animal, the bird, to behave in certain ways, uh, just sort of by telepathy. Yeah, I, I, I that's what I think too. It, it's uh, um, because if they were going to. If they could manifest as an owl, why not manifest as themselves and come and have a drink? I think that would be a better way to show that they're fine. But um, Anyway, th- what we've done with Hello from Heaven, um, our book, is we it contains 353 first-hand accounts in the experience's own words. And we did that purposely so that people could read these and arrive at their own conclusions. It's yeah. not a book that to invest... Uh, investigators or researchers wrote, and then we give our opinions about everything and then quote from this and quote from that and quote from the third one and try to prove it to you intellectually. We wanted people to read these, as we had done, and make their own decisions, be moved by them uh, emotionally as well as intellectually, and uh, to to decide for themselves whether or not they're real. And my personal challenge is I don't believe anybody, almost almost anybody, could read the book without being moved emotionally by at least one of these accounts. Or, or many of them. Um, I, many, I found, many, but I'm saying at least one. At least. Yes. I, when it, I, I read it when it first came out, and I had not really focused on the fact that the people who have just gone a little bit ahead of us are still people who love us very much. I mean, we tend to, to think of them as sitting on clouds looking down wistfully, but not. Uh, but they... They love us. They don't want to see us in pain. They want us to no. know they're fine and go on with our lives and come and meet them real soon. And 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 so that's uh, it, it. Gave me a different. Your book gave me a different perspective on the whole process and and helped me to understand that um, the people we think of as dead are as alive as we are, and they are desperate to help us understand they're fine because then they can go on with their lives without worrying about us. Everybody knows we're okay. Um, yeah. Well, j- just as like uh, if there had been a fire or something in your house, you'd want your children at a distance to know that even though the house burned down, you're okay. You and your okay. family all escaped the house, or if there was a tornado or a forest fire, or, you know, whatever the situation, you'd want to, today we could do it by telephone, by uh, the internet and email and, you know, all these other ways, cell phones, everything. And so this is their way to contact us, to let us know that, uh, but typically they say, I'm okay, I'm fine, everything is okay, don't worry about me, don't That's grieve it for me. Yep. Yep. And I'll say, please uh, go on with your own life. Yeah. Don't be sad, be I'm right. fine. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, um, uh, but one of the things that happens is that um, sometimes some of the people who, who transition are good at it. Um, my brother-in-law was very, very good at it. He did all kinds of things. We haven't talked about electricity, but that's another thing. Um, they, our minds are energy. Uh, their minds are energy, and they can mess with our electricity, and he was very good at that. Yeah, we have um, a category called physical phenomena, and this involves that lights and bulbs can burn out at any time, but it's when they start going on uh, in one yes. room and then other rooms one at a time. 
and TVs or radios go on, and then they're playing a, a special song that we associate with our loved one. That, which dying. is astonishing. You could walk into a store randomly or into an elevator, and the Muzak will be playing the song that you danced to at your wedding. Yes. Mm-hmm. Weird. We, we don't know. Do you know how they do that? I don't know how they do that. I don't know. I don't. Fortunately, we didn't try to explain these. <laughs> <laughs> but no, that to me re- is boggling. But that's reported, and it's not uncommon either. Yes, that's all we're doing. We're reporting these, and this can be music boxes like that are even haven't been operated and been operating in years, or in some cases, parts are missing. Electronic toys can yep. be activated. Yeah, uh, things it's- can be moved physically from one place to another. But electricity is something that. Um, Judy figured out that teenage boys, twenty-year-old uh, boys, can especially um, manipulate into causing things to happen. It must really? be rather easy to do that. Yes. I my, mean, my, brother, like my brother-in-law people. died when he was in his late forties, and he is—he's the most powerful person I've ever known uh, in life. Who then graduated and started messing with things, mm-hmm. but um, he could do all kinds of things. There was a light that never had worked in my sister's house, and when I would, for several months, when I would visit her house, if I turned the switch on, the light would go on. Otherwise, it still wouldn't go on. It made her so angry, he almost ended up post-death divorced. I'm not sure that's a first. Uh, that would be a first. That would be a first. But, 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 he, but he literally... How does an attorney had, charge for that? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But he eventually, um, it, it was clear to me that that's what it was. I, I mean, I would, I would be heading for the kitchen where, where this light was and say in my mind, you know, Jerry, if it's you, don't do it this time. It wouldn't go on. That would say, Jerry, if it's you, do it this time. It would go on. I mean, it was clear he was doing it. And finally, um, when she was really getting disgusted, um, he, he uh, had it only go on a little bit and then fade up. And then fade down, and I realized he was saying, "You know, I can't do this anymore. She's going to kill me." So, um, so it stopped. But um, because he was so powerful, I had the most spectacular sign I've ever seen or heard of for when my mother died just over a year ago. I live in Austin. Austin is hot. You don't get many insects at the height of summer. She died July thirty-first. A couple of days. I think it was. A day, I wish I had the notes. I should have them in front of me on how this worked, but. I, in my, I was in my backyard. I just walked out to the deck, and the backyard was full of butterflies, full of all kinds of butterflies. It was, I've never seen anything like it in my life. And the show went on for like an hour and a half, two hours. And then the next day, it wasn't butterflies. I went out on my deck. It was all dragonflies, all kinds. I mean, I was chasing a bird that caught one of those dragonflies and trying to save the dragonfly's life. I have never seen anything like it. And then, and I, the whole summer, there, was, there were no insects. And then the, the third day, I went out onto my deck around the same time saying, I wonder what she's going to do now. Actually, I knew it was Jerry doing this to let me know my mom was okay. I, when I walked out right in front of my face, a butterfly and a dragonfly together flitted side by side past me, and that was the end of the sign. It was the yeah. most spectacular one I've ever heard of, never mind yeah. seen, and it happened to me. So I can tell you, it was real. Oh, yes. I I sat and watched the show of all those insects. I mean, a hundred of them at a time in one Mm -hmm. backyard, the only backyard in the neighborhood of one place in Austin when the temperature was 100 degrees. Yes. Well, of course, the butterfly is the Western symbol for life after death because of the metamorphosis. But many many people don't know that a dragonfly also uh, goes through metamorphosis because it starts its life underwater. Yes, yes. And, uh, And it comes... 
goes through a metamorphosis and then becomes the insect that we know that which flies and, and doesn't bite people. It's just no. a large insect. I, I think of, of dragonflies as a very, very common sign from people who've they're gone the, on early. They're the more of an eastern sign. Yes, yes. But, um, I mean, I know of someone whose, uh, whose son gives her dragonflies all the time. There was once when, she, when a family party was going on, and he filled that backyard with dragonflies, only that backyard, um, for, for the whole party. It, it's, uh, it's wonderful what they can do. And our, being, our recognizing it and saying thank you seems to encourage them to keep doing it, don't you think? Uh, certainly they enjoy being acknowledged, yes. Mm-hmm for what they've done, they're, they're giving. It, it's like I say to you, I, I value you, I care for you, I love you, and what that begets more. Love begets love. Yes. That's yeah, and, sure. and, and, it, and frankly, even if you're not sure someone is giving you a sign, if you see something that might be common, you know, maybe insects right in front of you, a bird flies right in front of your windshield is another one they'll sometimes do, just say thank you to the person that most recently died, Sure. And and they'll they'll acknowledge then that you it worked. They'll, it sort of encourages them to keep doing it because, frankly, where they are now, it's a lot more fun than where we are now. And therefore, if if we stop or, or don't even start to acknowledge what they're doing, they'll give up. They'll say, ah, "What the heck? I'm going to go and have fun and and see so and so, see you." Um, whenever you get there. So encourage your loved ones, just talking to the people listening, encourage your loved ones to give you signs. And then even if you're saying, that, that couldn't be, just say thank you for that. Do another one that I'll even recognize even more. And and they will. My image is that in almost all cases, our deceased loved ones are knocking on our door figuratively, waiting for us to hear it and open it to their presence in some way. But if we are unable to or don't do so, that after a while, after knocking endlessly for you yeah. know, however long, they're going to move on because we're not responding. That's all. Yeah, and, uh, which is Reasonable. which is unfortunate. It's it's so easy to just even if you're not sure to just acknowledge it. Um, so t- tell me about visitation dreams. I've had two, um, and. Well, I, uh, they're very different from regular dreams. Uh, well, it's, typical it's dreams are, are jumbled and kind of flow back and forth and, don't, and are hard to hold on to and uh, hard to remember and whatnot, whereas a sleep state ADC, in other words, an ADC while you're asleep, uh, is easier for them to contact us because we're the most open and most passive when we're sleeping. And uh, many people do call them visit, visitation dreams because it feels like, because it is, an actual visit together. There's, it is. You have a beginning, a middle, and an end, just yes. as though they visited you when your eyes are wide awake in, in person, in person, and they're there and you're there, and it may be at a you know, very familiar location or one that's totally different from, from any reality you know. It, it's it, the two that I had. One was was with my father, and one was with my horse. Um, they they both clearly were meant to communicate a message. Though with the horse one, it was a very complicated message, or a little more complicated, a whole story. Um, and and they feel different in my experience because I don't do dreams well at all. I hardly remember any dreams. Um, but these were were vivid. They had normal physics, um, normal colors. Uh, the, the I, you. You feel, clearly feel that you're with the person or the animal 
um, that that you see you think it is. Both of them looked very young. I have to say, my father who died in eighty six. Looked about eighteen. That would be what he would do. Um, and and uh, they're giving you a message. Uh, very much so. It, it's uh, in my father's case. Uh, he was standing on the lawn of the house that he built for my mother. Only it was brand new, and I think he was just telling me, "I'm here waiting for her." Um, and and look how I rebuilt the house. And he did. It was exactly the same house, only it was brand new, and it was kind of rickety. It's the real one's like fifty some odd years old. Um, but those are a gift. And 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 they. Another thing about them, Bill, is they don't fade. I remember those two dreams very vividly. Whereas oh, people remember an ABC 10, 20, 30, 40, 50 years later as though it happened that day. That's if right. There's something That's right. about them that uh, they're etched in their minds emotionally and visually. Uh, yeah. They just are. They're very special experiences. See, what we believe is that these are a natural and normal part of life, and they're not something uh, exceptional. But we live in a very materialistic country, uh, culture, and uh, as a result of that, we are trained not to believe in these things. And yes, that they yeah. are the unusual or the abnormal. And on the other hand, they're so common, we regard these, and that's why I'd want, I wanted to write Hello from Heaven, why I was really interested. I believe these after-death communications provide modern-day evidence for life after death. Absolutely. I say evidence because this is not scientific proof in the literal sense that you can replicate it in a laboratory. No, you can't do that. But if you get thousands and thousands, and we could have gotten 5,000 or 10,000 accounts, it doesn't matter. This is not just anecdotal evidence. This is testimony. When you have enough people, witnesses providing right. the same story, it's testimony. It's not anecdotal evidence as these scientists are like to, to, to you know, demean it and often, or the, the debunkers want to demean it as not having any value. You're, yeah. you're getting that kind of witnessing to something that's going on every day in the country or in the world, for that matter. Yeah, and in and other I, places I in the world, these, these are so common that people have them at night and they talk, talk openly to their friends about them and their family members about them the next day. Yeah. No, they, this is, we have a lot to learn in Western society. We, we learned the physical stuff. Now it's time to learn the spiritual stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You're listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network, and our guest is the wonderful, venerable Bill Guggenheim. He's the leading expert on spontaneous communications from people we used to think were dead, but they're even more alive than we are. And we'll be right back. When she was eight, Roberta Grimes had an amazing experience of light. She spent the next 50 years researching the afterlife to try and understand what had happened to her. And the result is her book, The Fun of Dying. Find out what really happens next. Roberta's book is Cliff Notes to 200 Years of Abundant and Consistent Afterlife Evidence. It will show you why extinction is impossible for you, explain how you can enjoy the death process, and describe for you in wonderful detail the glorious heaven that awaits us all. Available on Amazon in Kindle and in print, The Fun of Dying will start you on a thrilling and life-affirming voyage as you learn the glorious truth about who you really are. 
If you'd like to talk about some of the things that are discussed on Seek Reality Radio, come and join the welcoming community at afterlifeforums.com. Roberta and Andrew manage Afterlife Forums in an atmosphere of love and acceptance. If you are very ill, if you have lost a loved one, or if you just wonder about these topics, come and join the fun at afterlifeforums.com. Welcome back to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes on the Contact Talk Radio Network. We're talking with my dear friend, Bill Guggenheim, who is the leading expert on what I think we all should be very interested in, which is how do the people that we love, that are sort of behind the veil briefly, how do they try to get through to us? He's been telling us all the different ways they try to get through, and he was just telling us something which I think is very important to emphasize. When people are communicating with us that we used to think we're dead, but of course they're not, when they're communicating with us, that's a normal phenomenon. It's sort of like when you, you know, if you were moving to another country, the first thing you'd do would be to kind of get word back to those you love that, you know, you made it fine, the trip was good, and now you're going to go and have do happy stuff and you'll see them soon. And that's what each of these messages really is, right, Bill? Oh, very much so, yes. Mm-hmm. Yes. Actually, the way I I learned a great deal while doing this research, and of course since then, because the book's been out quite a while, and I've been in this field now for 25 years, my favorite ones are out-of-body ADCs, and that is there are some people who have had an out-of-body experience, which is a well-known phenomenon, and uh, it may be just close by, or they may travel a huge distance, or even to the other side, and they they will encounter their deceased loved ones. But what this has caused me to realize is that the way I was raised, as, uh, by the way, I was an Episcop- raised Episcopalian, is that we're not just a human being who has some part of us called a soul or a spirit, which leaves our body when we die, and if we're good, it goes to heaven, and if we're not so yeah. good, it goes elsewhere. And uh-huh. that's all I knew and heard about. But the way I look at it now and the way I speak about it in my workshops is that each of us is a soul or a spirit or a being of light right here, right now, wearing a physical body. And I call that our earth, earth suit. And uh, <laughs> right. our earth suit is what we need to uh, function at this level of reality, what we need to have to be here and to uh, do all the things we do while on earth. But it is what breaks down eventually, just like a car does or any other mechanical uh, appliance or whatever, and they break down and they cease to function after a while. The parts wear out and all the rest. And that's what death is. But the I who I am, the I who you are, every one of us is all your listeners, the I that each of your listeners is, continues onward eternally, forever, and having different uh, experiences in all different forms of reality. Yeah, isn't that, and and that is so true. That's the core of what we talk about every week on this radio show, and it's the core of what you've been doing, too, for the last 25 years, helping people understand that. Um, Mm -hmm. You you, you tell me that you're thinking about retiring. I hope you don't do it all together. But uh, tell me about what your your experience has been in talking to people about this. The book came out in, well, the the Bantam book came out in 96, so you've been... 
you know, there it was we, out there and selling well, and people were looking at you funny. How, what was your no, reaction no, no, or no. experience? No, no, no. I've always been well received. Every place I've spoken in public libraries, uh, colleges, universities, hospices, but especially the most places I've spoken are support groups for people who are bereaved especially for bereaved parents at the Compassionate Friends, bereaved uh-huh. parents of the USA, uh, um, mothers against drunk driving, uh, uh, parents of murdered children, all the rest of it. Uh, I've always been re- embraced for being there and supported and never, I was heckled only once by a young boy. And really? I, uh, he was in yet somebody in the audience and I just said, I'll be happy to talk with you afterwards. And uh, he stops immediately. And that was it. I mean, I've spoken to so many thousands of people, uh, most of whom are bereaved or were bereaved at the time. And I've been doing it for 25 years. And uh, I just finished uh, speaking at the IANS conference, International Association for Near-Death Studies in, in Virginia. And uh, I want to go on and do something else with my life at this point. <laughs> well, I, what you've done, what you've done here, is certainly uh, critical, I think, to our understanding of what reality actually is. And I'm really grateful, and I'm sure a lot of people are as well. But I'm pleased to hear that you've been received favorably when you talk about these things, because it's easy for people to think, eh, you know, so the whole yard's full of butterflies. That that's just a coincidence. It was a butterfly convention. It's easy, as you say, for people to be skeptical and and. To, to say that one of these experiences was just someone's imagination or was just a coincidence, but you can't deny them all. When you put them all together, there is overwhelming evidence of survival, which is really Every, what... Whenever I do a workshop, a lecture, whatever you want to call it, I have people at the end come up from the audience, people I've never met, never seen before. I have no idea who they are. I just ask for volunteers to come up and to face the audience. I put microphone in their hand and say please tell pick out what experience you've had and share it with the audience and I've always had people be able to do that in some cases Isn't that far amazing? more than I could I could uh, possibly handle <laughs> I've had to cut the line short but it just it's either that <laughs> really? common and these are the people who are willing to come up I can see many other people who when mm. I ask for volunteers their heads are bobbing up and down they're, they're, uh, they're making eye contact with me and smiling but they're inhibited about coming up you know, publicly and doing it. So sure. these are so these are so common, and uh, uh, that, that's the that's the beauty of Flow from Heaven. It's a timeless book. It is. It is out. timeless. Um, it was one of the the key books that I read as I was doing research for my own book, which is the fun of dying. And my, I've it's been only been out for three years, so I'm a complete newbie compared to you, Bill. But my experience has been, um, when I've gone to talk about it, which has actually been quite more than I would have expected or hoped for uh, in the past three years, my experience has been people are hungry for this information. They're thrilled to have people really validate what their hearts they've always known to be true and give them details that it would be a lot of take a lot of research for them to sort of gather. Is the, I'm sure you've had that experience as well. Um, right. Well, uh, yes and no, in that somehow people know that such communications are possible. They may not right. know all the types of communication, the you know, categories, but they know it is possible that that's our, our intuitive self. Here's the way I, I describe it. That while almost all of us, all your listeners, 
and the people who attended our workshops, yours and mine and all the rest, were raised as Protestants or Catholics or Jews or Muslims or whatever their stated faith has been. Nevertheless, the real religion we were raised with in the United States as children and on from there on has been science, technology, primarily, and materialism. Right. And there's a tremendous hunger for spirituality in America and, yes. and, and the world. And yes. what we're speaking above are spiritual experiences, which go beyond science. This is why the books and the speakers on near-death experiences are so much in demand. And yes. why books on after-death communications and books on uh, mediumship and books on and TV shows and all these topics and um, all, all, everything, out-of-body experiences, all these things, are so much of interest. Um, I'm not speaking now of the, quote, paranormal with people with flashlights and equipment looking for ghosts. I'm not going into that realm. But I'm talking about the positive things which people know is somehow they know it's true and they're looking for validation and, verifi and verification. And yeah, they're getting it, it from these shows. It, Yes, um, it, it is. There seems to be more of this now than, um, I mean, when poor Raymond Moody, when he first came out in the mid-70s, no one knew about any of this stuff. But uh, over the last 30, 35 years, there seems to have been, and obviously you're part of it because your guides were even telling you, uh, or whoever told you it was time to start doing that book. Um, I had the same experience. It wasn't really my choice to write what I wrote. I ended up being told to do it. Um, and I, it took me a long time to be willing to say that. <laughs> Frankly, the only reason I finally was able, willing to say it was that it's, I seemed to have gotten it right, and I knew I couldn't have gotten it right <laughs> except I, that I had help. And it started to feel wrong to take credit for stuff other people had helped me with, so I started to acknowledge that I'd had help. But there seems to be a movement undergoing, uh, uh, being undergone now on the planet to raise our understanding of these matters beyond what they ever had been before. Um, I think it's partly because the baby boomers are coming of age and they're either having to put their parents in nursing homes or things of this nature or their parents are dying and now they're stuck with, I'm next. Yeah, you know, that's maybe right. Their, their, their grandparents have died, made a transition. Their parents may are about to or they have and now they're dealing with their own mortality and yeah. we're better educated than any other groups in American history and we have better we have more questions about these things we, we question authority and we want to think for ourselves and we want answers and they're not forthcoming from most religious institutions and if you go to most churches the ministers or rabbis or whoever don't give sermons or talk about life after death or if they do they merely quote scriptures but right. many of them have, have no training in bereavement and uh, the funerals are done the same way now as they were 50 or 100 or 200 or more years ago. And they say ashes to ashes, dust to dust, and lower a body in a casket into the ground. And somehow right. it doesn't feel right. Something feels like it's missing. Yes. And people want more. There's an emptiness of a hole. There's H-O-L-E that we want to fill and make yes. it W-H-O-L-E, a hole. Yes. And that's why books like... The fun of dying and hello from heaven fill those that vacancy and yes, warm I, us. Yes, I think the, the, baby, the baby boomer thing is a good point, Bill, 
because baby boomers have always been on sort of the cusp of whatever's new, and uh, death is going to be the big new thing, I have a feeling. It is. Well, not going to be. It is already. It has been. <laughs> Stop and think about their age. of the, Not of them, but of their parents. Yes. Because it's, it's one thing if grandma dies. Okay, well, there's still mom yep. and dad. Whoops, there goes mom and dad. Who's next? Yeah, right. We're up. <laughs> when, no, when it's, it's our turn to believe in something, and what do we believe in? Now it's a real challenge. And, and we want to know the truth. And one of the great things that your book does, and I try to do as well, is to help people understand you don't need to believe. You don't need faith. We have so much evidence of what's actually going on that it's possible to know the truth. Yes. I'm Roberta Grimes, and my book is The Fun of Dying, Find Out What Really Happens Next. And we've been talking to the wonderful, wonderful Bill Guggenheim, who wrote Hello from Heaven. Please read it. It's the best book you can possibly find on what your relatives, your loved ones, are doing to try to get through to you. Please join us next week, and when our guest will be an extraordinary woman. I met her at a recent afterlife conference. Actually, it was about a year ago. Her name is Maria Pay, and she had two beautiful sons, young sons, who were murdered by their own father. This was an unimaginable tragedy, but Maria handled it in a way that I couldn't have done. Um, she, she was only months, less than a year after that tragedy when I met her, and she has been on an extraordinary voyage, and what she's learning is going to make for an a mesmerizing hour for us, and um, I hope an illuminating hour for, for everyone who will ever hear about it. Maria is someone that everyone should know. You're never going to forget her message. So please join us next time, and meanwhile, please visit us at afterlifeforums.com and just join the discussion. Now, go out and enjoy and make the most of this coming week in our one reality, knowing that you are an eternal being and you are infinitely loved. You've been listening to Seek Reality with Roberta Grimes, joyous conversations about your eternal life. To learn more, tune in every Saturday at 10 a.m. Pacific, 1 p.m. Eastern. For lively and positive discussions, visit www.afterlifeforums.com. To contact Roberta, email her at roberta at seekreality.com. Wishing you a productive week empowered by the truth of who you really are. <laughs>